Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us today here on Sylvia Global. We have an extraordinary program for you today. Our special guest is Grace Lynn, an award-winning author of children's books, especially geared around folk tales and Chinese-American folklore that's based on Chinese folklore. And, Grace, we're so happy to have you here with us, along with our uh, yes, and our special co-host is Lissa Ruhe Kanai. It was Lissa's um, recommendation that we address the subject of children's writers, Asian American writers, and stories around adventures with girls. And Lissa, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention and joining us today as a co-host. Our other special co-host is Gloria Cooey. Um, Gloria Cooley is an educator, and she really incorporates into her lessons um, plans, both as an educator and as a parent, um, the global influences and what we can do as parents to nurture our children to be writers. So, Gloria, thank you so much for being here today as well. Lisa, um, I'm going to let you say a few words, and then Gloria is going to give a few moments of introduction and then turn it right back over to Alyssa to engage in a wonderful conversation with Grace Lynn. You can call in live, area code 347-215-6138, and this broadcast can be heard on sylviaglobal.com. There's a mic that says on the air. Just click that microphone and you'll see us um, and hear the broadcast. And it will be posted on iTunes and it's archived at sylviaglobal.com under Lissa Kanai. Lissa, thanks so much for being here. Tell us why Grace's work is so important to you. Grace's books are important to me because they show the Chinese culture to the people around the world. And she puts, she shows the Chinese folk tales to different people who aren't exactly Chinese. This is going to be very exciting because the folk tales are, and the messages and the lessons of Grace's folk tales really touch all of us and shows how we're all connected um, through sto- the power of stories. Gloria, how about you? Thanks so much for being here today. Hi, good afternoon. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I just want to let everyone know that I am a bilingual educator, and I'm really excited to know that um, we're interviewing Grace Lynn today, and it's exciting to know someone that grew up in the United States and that is so interested in sharing with us stories of uh, the Chinese folk tales as well as other stories. Um, as an educator, I really think it's important to share with children, all cultures, uh, because not only do we live in a country with so many cultures, but also because we're also connected now. Thank I'd you like both. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Gloria. Did you have something else to say? No, that's pretty much what I needed to say. Grace, thank you so much for standing by. How are you today? Good. I'm, Good. I'm very happy to be here. 
We appreciate your availability. We know you're also a mom, so you've got lots of roles <laughs> roles to play, and we appreciate you carving out some time to share this part of your life um, with us. Lisa, um, what are the questions that you would like to um, start off um, asking, Grace? So, Grace, so before you were a, a writer, you were an artist, and before you were an artist, you were a figure skater. How did going, like, why did you draw yourself figure skating to become a good figure skater or just because you like to draw? Well, I was never a figure skater, though I always wanted to be a figure skater, so I guess there's a little bit of a difference. When I was uh, younger, uh, I dreamed of being a figure skater, and I would draw, because of the Olympics mainly, and I would draw pictures of myself uh, being a beautiful, wonderful figure skater, wearing the gold medal, all these things, wearing all those really neat outfits. Uh, then winter came along, and I finally went on the ice and tried to skate, and I wasn't very good at it. And I realized, after trying many times, and I can ice skate a little bit, but not very well, uh, but after realizing I would never really be that Olympic ice skater that I dreamed of, I looked at my pictures and I realized, you know, I think I like drawing pictures of myself ice skating better than actually ice skating. And I said, why don't I become an artist instead? And so that's the first step to becoming um, an author and illustrator. I became an illustrator first. And how did you think of becoming an illust- an, an author after being an illustrator? Oh, no, that's the, what happened after that was after... Um, I went to school to study to become a children's book illustrator. And um, when I graduated from school, uh, I sent out all my artwork to all these different different publishing companies because I wanted to illustrate a children's book. Uh, unfortunately, none of the companies got back to me. None of them were interested, didn't seem to be very interested in my work. And I kept trying for years. And then finally, one finally, after many years of sending my artwork out, some an editor at one of the companies called me up and said, you know, you've been sending us your samples of your artwork for such a long time. I really like your artwork. I've always really liked your artwork, but I don't ever have a story that matches your artwork. Do you have a story that matches your artwork? Because this picture that you sent me, it looks like there might be a story behind it. And I said, why, yes, I do have a story. And he said, oh, great, send it in. Now, I said, yes, I do, because I really wanted to get a book published, but I didn't have a story at that time. So I rushed back to my studio, and I looked at the picture that I sent him, and it was a painting of me and my mother when I was very young, uh, and, and we were in a garden, and I realized that the picture I painted was uh, from my childhood, about when my mom used to grow Chinese vegetables in the garden while everybody else in the neighborhood would grow flowers, and I used to be very, very embarrassed by that. And I said, well, that's a story. So I wrote that, and I sent it in. And to make a long story short, that became my very first picture book, and that became my first introduction to writing my own stories. And I loved it so much that that's why I decided to keep with it. Okay. So, as in like the time of writing most of your books, how long did it take you to write the book where the mountain meets the moon? So, all of my books um, 
take a long time to write. And, and some books take longer than others. I think Where the Mountain Meets the Moon took me about three years to write and illustrate. Okay. Did the race, how do you stay that? patient through that? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? How do you, how do you stay patient during the process? Because three years would feel or sound like a very long time. Yeah, it's, it is. It does seem like a long time, but um, I think when you're in it, it doesn't feel that long because you love it so much. I guess maybe some people, maybe um, maybe you might play like a basketball game, and you're playing the basketball game, and you're running really hard, and and you're playing so hard, and you, then finally the game's over, and you're so tired, but you can't believe it's over that all. all the whole game's over. It just feels like it just started because you are so excited and so interested in the game. So it's just like that with with me making my books. I get so interested in it, I don't really realize how much time has passed when I'm working on it. Lisa, I I think I accidentally cut you off. I didn't mean to. Go ahead and continue with your questions, and then um, Gloria, you know, might have a couple too. Uh. For the book, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, does it represent any of the people in your family? Oh, that's a very good question. Do any of the characters in Where the Mountain Meets the Moon represent people in my family? Well, um, Min Lee is the main character in Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, and a lot of people ask if I based her on myself. And in some ways, I did. Uh, She's kind of the the uh, heroine I always wanted to be. Uh, I don't think she's. I don't think she's a lot like me, but she's more like the person the the person I wanted to be like. Um, then there is uh, the dragon character, and that is actually based on my cousin Austin. <laughs> and uh, let's see, who are the other ones? Other characters that are based on my family. Uh, and then the mother character is actually probably more based on myself. Like Min Lee is who I would like to be like, and the the mom character Ma is probably a little bit more like who I really am like. Okay, thanks. Hey, Lisa, you have a caller. You have someone okay. calling in. Hello. Okay. Hello. Hi, you're on the Hi. air. Hi, you're on the air. Go ahead, Lisa. Hi, who are you? Hello? They're standing by. I guess they can't hear us. Why don't you take, um, go to your next question then, Lisa, or maybe um, if Gloria has a question, and then we'll get make sure we get that caller connected. Okay, so Gloria can go. Okay, I was wondering how, what, um, inspired you when you were an illustrator? What inspired you to make the move to become an author as well as illustrator? Well, um, part of it was part of it was mainly the uh, when I wrote my first book, The Ugly Vegetables, because it was inspired by actually it was inspired by the fact that I just really wanted to get something published. <laughs> so the the editor the editor asked me if I had a story that went with the sample that I sent in. And of course I I wrote that that story to go with the sample. But I enjoyed writing it so much that that's really what inspired me to keep writing because I really loved the idea 
that I was writing and illustrating a book, like the whole thing was mine. And it gave me such a sense of satisfaction, I wanted to keep doing that. And then I moved from, from picture books to novels. And um, my first novel, The Year of the Dog, was actually supposed to be a sequel to my first picture book, which was The Ugly Vegetables. Um, the Ugly Vegetables is a story about me and my mother. And after I wrote that, my mother was very excited, and she said, oh, you should write another one, write a sequel. And so I tried, but every time I tried to write a sequel, it would not fit in that 32-page picture book format. It kept getting longer and longer and longer until finally I said, you know, I think I'll just make this into a novel. And I did, and um, and luckily that got published, and it, it got a very, really, really nice reaction from from readers, and I enjoyed hearing from the readers so much that that really inspired me to keep writing. Um, that was probably the biggest difference between writing picture books and writing novels for me. Is um, when I wrote picture books, I had a really great time doing it, and I still write picture books and I still illustrate picture books. But um, I usually never heard directly from the readers. I, maybe I heard from the parents, um, and once in a while, you know, I would get a really sweet letter or drawing because the kids were so much younger. But when I started writing the novels, I started hearing really directly from the readers uh, who are older, who could write me. Uh, back by themselves who could uh, ask very specific questions and I enjoyed that so much that really inspired me to keep writing the novels Thank you We have um, another caller named Hannah and she's calling in from Israel Are you there Hannah? Yeah I'm here Hi how are you? I'm good So, What time is it there? It's about, like, 10.30. Do you have school tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for staying up and listening to Sylvia Global. You're on the air live with Lissa Ruhe Kanai and her special guest, Grace Lynn. Go ahead. Um, I was wondering, how do you stay motivated through the time when, like, no publishers would take your art? How do you still send to more publishers and wait for a long time? Oh, that's a very good question. How do you stay motivated even when publishers weren't interested in my art? Well, part of the reason part of the reason I kept going was because I just loved what I did so much, and I just wanted to keep. I kept, I just felt like I had to keep trying, and I was going to keep trying no matter what because I just loved doing it. And I think that's the most important thing to to just love what you're doing. So even if it never gets published, you still you're still having a good time. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing to to keep you motivated. Uh the second thing to keep you motivated is you just always have to have hope and and then when you and just imagine when it finally does get published how good it feels and that really helped a lot too. It's kind of like having dreams or a vacation that you you're planning for a long long time. Thank you. Do you have another question for her? Um, I think I'm going to think about it. Thank you so much. Melissa, I'll turn it back over to you. In your, in the, so one of your books called, the your first book, The Ugly Vegetables, won the California Young Reader Medal. And, uh, uh, do you think it's like another chance because you have another chance of winning 
the California Young Reader Medal for Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. Oh, well, actually, um, the Ugly Vegetables didn't win the medal, though it was on the list for it. So so I never won the California Young, uh, California Young Reader Medal, so I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that Where the Mountain Meets the Moon wins this time, because <laughs> so that, that would be really neat. So I, I guess uh, you have to, I'll have to ask everyone to cross their fingers for me. Have you read the other books in line with the California Young Reader Medal of that section? Uh, I've read some of them. I'm not sure. I can't remember them off the top of my head right now, but I remember I haven't read all of them, though. Like, have you, the two books are Eleven and the Giant Slayer. Slayer. Uh, I think Eleven, Eleven by Wendy Mass. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I read that. That was really fun. But I did not read the other one. Okay. In the book, so also in the book, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, the goldfish has an important role as a, like, as a good luck charm. Do you have any goldfish based on that? Do I have... The goldfish is a... Uh, I'm sorry, could you repeat it? It was a little broken up. Like, the goldfish is the main... Like, it's the good luck charm in the story. Do you have, like, any goldfish in your home to, like, oh, bring good oh. luck? Do I have... I don't have any uh, goldfish in my home. I used to, but they all died. I, unfortunately, I'm not very lucky when it comes to goldfish because they always die. <laughs> but I do like to have, like... I do have lucky things. Um, I ha- I'm a little superstitious about numbers. Like, there's lucky numbers in Chinese culture, like eight and nine. And and four is always a, is an unlucky number, so I never buy things in four. And like when I buy when I buy things and there's seven, I'm like, oh, I'll buy eight things like that. So I do have I am a little bit superstitious that way. Oh, okay. Melissa, you have another caller for Grace. Um, I think her name is Marissa from Covina. Are you there, Marissa? Yes. Hi. How are you today? Good. Thank you for joining um, Gloria Cooley and Lisa Kanai with Grace Lynn. You have a question? Yes. Go ahead. What do you think your next book will be about? What do I think my next book will be about? Well, um, are you talking the book I'm working on right now? Uh, the book, okay, the book that just came out in, that's in the bookstores now is Starry River of the Sky, and that's a companion book to Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. And when I say companion book, it, I mean it's um, it's not a sequel. So if you read Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, um, you don't uh, you'll you'll kind of notice some characters are similar in Starry River of the Sky, but you don't have to have read Where the Mountain Meets the Moon to know what's going on in Starry River of the Sky. Uh, but the book I'm working on right now is a new Ling and Ting book. Uh, Ling and Ting is a is an early reader that I did a couple of years ago. Um, they're they're a pair of Chinese American twins, and uh, the first book was called Ling and Ting, not exactly the same. And it was an early reader about how they were um, they look exactly the same, but really they weren't. They had a lot of differences between them, just like probably most twins. And I'm doing a sequel to that, and that's called Ling and Ting Share a Birthday because they're twins, so they share a birthday. But, of course, even though they share a birthday, they have their own individual way of celebrating it. And then um, after that, I'm 
probably going to work on another companion book uh, for Where the Mountain Meets the Moon and Starry River the Sky. I'm not really sure what that book is going to be about, but what I'm hoping is um, it'll take place um, in, with water. So if you've read my books, you'll know Where the Mountain Meets the Moon is about uh, a dragon flies in the, in the air. Uh, Minley goes to see the old man on the moon. So I kind of say that's it has to do with sky, which is, and then there's Starry River of the Sky, which has to do with a mountain. Uh, so I say that it has to do with earth. So that's sky, earth, and I feel like the last one should deal with water or ocean. So the next one will be about the ocean or water, hopefully. Okay. (laughs) So maybe there might be Chinese mermaids. I have to think about it. Chinese mermaids, that sounds magical. (laughs) (laughs) Marissa, how did you, um, Marissa and Covina, how did you become familiar with Grace's work? Um, Well, it all started when I was at school and during a library time, and I was trying to check out a book, like, really, like, kind of half fantasy, but half half Chinese part. So I looked down, and I saw Graceland's book. And it interested me, so I checked it out, and I started reading it. And it was really interesting, so that's how I started reading Graceland's books. Oh, that's great. Grace, we have a a text message that has come in from Kauai, um, over in Hawaii. And she wants to know um, how she can take, how she can use writing to help her adjust to a new culture and new community. How can you use writing to adjust yes. to a new culture what and you, new community? Yeah, what do you, yes, what do you what suggestions perhaps do you have that could help her? She apparently she's just moved there from the Midwest and Oh wow. All of the news, so she's so, a, a little bit of a culture shock maybe. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And to you know, what suggestions you might have? Well, I would definitely suggest that if she wants to use writing as a way, to, uh, she she should definitely keep a journal or a diary. Uh, even th- that's I found is really really great. She should just carry a journal or a diary with, with her at all times, and whenever she has an idea that or a feeling that sh- she wants to express, or she just writes it down. Um, that way, if there's things that when you're sad and you don't want to show it to other people, you can write it down, and that's kind of a nice way of kind of letting your emotions out. Or even when you're happy, if you just mark it, write it down in your journal or your diary, because that's something you can look back on later and, and make you feel happy again. So I think a, way, a good way to use writing is just to keep all your little memory, all your memories in a in a journal or a diary, and that I think would be a helpful way to adjust. Gloria, you said that you're a bilingual educator. Can you talk to us about how important writing is and illustrating is for children who are, um, you know, multicultural, bilingual, and new to a community? How important writing is for yes, the children? Yes, yes. Is it a? Do you use it? I guess any art form actually that helps us to embrace um, and feel more ourselves and to feel more comfortable when we're adjusting to a new environment. 
I think we use writing as well as art, but I think when the children don't have all of the grammar to express themselves as best as they can, we probably use art even more. We have them draw a picture and then write, and that way the the art that they've done or the picture they've created serves to help them um, develop their thoughts and try to express themselves. So I think the art with the writing works hand in hand in order to get them to um, continue to develop their English language and to also express themselves, just like um, Grace Lynn was saying, with journals it's really important to um, write down your thoughts. Um, but I think equally as much is you know, to be able to draw pictures. Does that answer your question? Sure. So being able to illustrate our thoughts um, is 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 very important. And Grace, it sounds like that was one of your, you know, your starting points was through illustration. Yes, definitely. I think uh, when uh, as as Gloria was saying, like if you don't have the grammar to to write it down, drawing is a really great way and to to get your emotions out too. Um, but I, I started as an illustrator, and when I started writing, um, I realized it, it was a very easy easy transition for me because instead uh, what I would do is just write what I imagined I would paint. So the descriptions and things, I would just close my eyes and think what I would paint, and then I would just write it with words. So, And you could do it the other way around as well. Um, Ms. Lynn, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I have a question for Ms. Lynn. I was looking at some of your different um, books, like um, the book, uh, the story on dim sum, mm-hmm. and then I was looking at the illustrations of the twins. Um, how did you feel going from those type of illustrations to these very magical illustrations you have on where the mountain meets the moon and also the companion book? Oh, so it's even though... Um the illustrations of dim sum for everyone and even ling and ting uh i guess you could say they're they're a little bit more um comical i guess cuz especially ling and ting it's kind of a fun, it's it it's, i try to make it a pretty humorous book so um so i try to keep the colors really bright and what i what i like to do is try to match the artwork with the um story as much as possible and that's one of the reasons why I enjoy being the writer and the illustrator because I can stretch myself that way and uh, for me Where the Mountain Meets the Moon and Star River the Sky uh, the humor is not the important part of those books and it was it all takes place at night I try to make it and I, I'm really glad that you think that they're magical because that was the part I was trying to play up so I do kind of try to shift my, I guess, my style to fit the tone of what I write about. And um, so it's still, you can still tell that it's done by the same person. It still has, I still use the same medium. It's a gouache, like, which is a thick watercolor. There's still a lot of patterns. And um, and you can tell, like I said, you can tell it's definitely done by the same person. But there's definitely a different tone, and that's because I take the tone, tonal cues from the story. Well, thank you, because I, I love your covers on uh, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon and your newest one. I love the illustrations. I think oh, great. I'm so glad. Yeah, I love them. Miss Lynn? Uh-huh. 
Grace, there's another. Um, I'm sorry? Uh, earlier you had Lissa. Okay, go ahead. Earlier you had to wait, like, so long to for your books to be published. Now do, like, people wait for you to publish, like, new books or for them to get <laughs> new books? That's a very good question. Yes, it's it's changed quite a bit, um, uh, which is which is really, really great. And I, I'm so grateful because in the very beginning, uh, when I first I, – I, felt like I had to beg people to publish my book and then I felt like just to get people to read it was so difficult and now uh, it's really nice to have people like you and like the callers who've called in and said oh I'm I really read your your book and they're they're they'd like to read the next one uh, so yeah it has changed uh, since I started but at the same time uh, you know, my first book was published in 1999, which was a long, long time ago. So I really have been working a long time <laughs> and really hard to for uh, these for these books to come out. We have an email from Portland, Oregon, um, that's come in, and they want to just say that they love your book so much. Will they be made into a movie? <laughs> um. That is very, very flattering. <laughs> I would love for them to be made into a movie, uh, but I don't think they they will be. There hasn't been too much interest. <laughs> so uh, the way it works, I know a lot of people uh, have asked me that in the past, but the way it works is the author doesn't really get to say, oh, I'd love to make a movie out of this. You have to wait for a big movie studio or something to show interest. And unfortunately, I haven't had any big movie studios showing too much interest. But maybe someday. Well, I think it would be fun, Grace. This is Gail Sylvia. I think it would be wonderful to have you um, do the illustrations for the movie and somehow we help get it launched off of the website. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be be great. (laughs) What you did with your your first book. Um, Lisa, do you have additional questions? Yes. um, Since you started off with writing children's picture books and then you wrote a novel, do you think in the future you would ever write adult books, like books for adults? That's a very good question. Um, Because I have have gone from picture books to early readers to uh, novels, and I think probably not, though, to adult books. I might go to baby books because I actually have a baby. <laughs> so I might do baby books. Um, and I might do YA, which is a, a like teenage book, like, you know, 16-year-old. But I don't think I'll ever do adult books, mainly because I don't really like to read adult books. <laughs> and I feel like uh, I like to read children's books. I love, I love to read picture books. I love to read um, chapter books. I love to read even YA books. But whenever I... Um, open up an adult book, I I don't seem to be that interested. So I feel like I probably am not going to be able to write a very good uh, adult book if I if I don't like to read them. <laughs> so so I probably will not write an adult book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to be honest, I think children's books are the best books anyway. Uh, like I said, I like to read children's books, but children's books are the ones that I love the most, and they're the ones that have made the most impression on me. And uh, those are the kind of books that I like to write. So that's probably why I'll stick with it. Mm. 
Okay. Are are any of your books available in a different language or in Chinese? Are any of my books available in a different language or in Chinese? Yes, uh, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon is is available in many different languages. I think it's uh, Hebrew, Russian, Chinese. It's in uh, Chinese simplified as well as traditional. Um, And I feel like it's in a couple other languages that I can't... Portuguese. Where the Mountain Meets the Moon has been in many different languages. Um, My other books, not so much. Um, I think there's a Korean version of, of a couple of my picture books, but not too many other languages except for except for Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. Okay. Grace? Yes? Thank Has- you so much for joining us today. I'm sorry, we're running out of time. So thank you so much for being here. And how can our listeners find more about your upcoming books and support you when you're in their area. Oh, that'd be great. Um, They could just go to my website if they'd like to see more about my books. It's www.gracelynn.com. And if they want to keep up with my event schedule and things like that, uh, probably the best thing is to go to my blog, which is um, gracelynnblog.com. Uh, so it's just Gracelyn with blog. And that's something that I update more regularly, and they can they can see cute pictures of my baby and things like that on there too. That'll be wonderful. How old is your baby? She's six months. Oh, congratulations! That's quite a bit um, to be able to write. How do you find the time to and the space to be able to write? How do you block that out? Uh, well, it's, uh, well, being a mom is is a part of of what I have to juggle. So it's just a lot of different things. Uh, it's all all figuring out what part of the day I can do what. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Gloria, Cooey. We appreciate your being here with us today on Sylvia Global, and our listeners can learn more about you and the work that you're doing at sylviaglobal.com. And Lissa Ruhe Kanai, what a wonderful co-host. We're looking forward to having you introduce us to additional writers and artists that come from around the world. Thanks so much for being here, Lissa and Gloria. Thank you so much. It's been Are a pleasure speaking with everyone. Lissa, any closing thoughts? Oh, just thank you for uh, um, having me, and it was a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk to everyone later. You can hear this broadcast at sylviaglobal.com. We'd love to have you follow us on Facebook, like us on, uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and you can become a subscriber to upcoming broadcasts with Lissa Ruhe Kanai and Gloria Cooey. And we'd also love to have you support the work of incredible women such as Grace Lynn. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and evening, everyone. Bye-bye.